you guys have heard a lot in the last few weeks about con the construction series. I know we broke it up last week with a little bit more of a current events, getting back to the equity piece. And we're going to continue talking about uh, different ways to get in to the market and take advantage of the market. But we thought this was a timely episode, seeing as we had a few episodes uh, recently about construction. Now, if you're just joining us in this episode, and this is your first episode listening to the YVR Remo Show, go back and check out if you're interested in anything to do with construction or investing a few episodes earlier earlier where we had a series on this. If you're more interested in investing in general or first time buying or general guidelines, we've got so many different episodes. So make sure to check those out. Now, today's episode, we have uh, two guests that we actually asked to come back on the show based on all of the feedback that we received about the previous episodes. We got Steve Hill and Danny Evans. Now, Danny um, joined us in the last year. Uh, we'll double check and we'll put his episode in the show notes. And he talked a lot about what he calls getting a home for free or upsizing for free, which is basically using a rental income and construction to reduce your costs and um, build a home at no additional cost to you. And we also had Steve on as one of the first five episodes because he, uh, he was really strategic in one of his uh, first moves when he bought a home, he bought a home with zero down payment, leveraging uh, another property and essentially had his entire rent pay for his home while he was living there and gaining equity. So some pretty cool stories. And these gents have a lot of experience with building, uh, well, building and construction, but more importantly, as real estate agents, what to look for. So if you're a real estate agent, you're going to want to listen to this. If you're in the market to maybe one day build three, four, five, seven, 10, 15 years down the road, um, you know, fantastic information for you. And maybe you're already in the market right now and you want to learn a little bit more about what you would look for if it's even worth it for you. Now, uh, before we get into the episode, we always have to thank our reviewers because you guys are the juice that keeps us going. We've had some awesome shout outs at the YVR Remo show on Instagram or at Thrive Mortgage Co. And we've just been loving the feedback that you guys can give us. So thank you so much. So if there's one thing that you can do for us, it's leave us a review on iTunes, guys. All you got to do is click. If you have an iPhone, click on Apple Podcasts, click that little five-star rating and let us know what you think about the show. Uh, send us a DM so we, we know that you're loving the show still. Even if you sent it in the past, come on, we love this stuff. So today's review is coming from Cool Dude. Uh, you said it's amazing podcast, very informative. I recently got into the industry and the YBR Remo show has made it a hell of a lot easier getting a grasp on the market trends and dealing with certain scenarios. Highly recommend. And we know that a lot of people listen to the podcast are in the mortgage space, the real estate space, clients, and so many many different people. And if you want to work with an expert, then you should probably be reaching out to our team at Thrive Mortgage Co. We have expert advisors and an entire team here to help you as it pertains to your home, your real estate, your first, second, third, or any types of investments. Now, cool dude, uh, send us a DM please at Thrive Mortgage Co. or at um, YBR Remo Show so we can get you a beautiful mug from Thrive along with some delicious coffee. And if you leave us a review, you can expect one of those in the future. Guys, enjoy this episode today with Steve and Danny, and we'll talk to you on the other side. What's up, guys? You are listening to the YBR Remo Show, where we talk all things Vancouver real estate and mortgages, take boring topics, and make them interesting. Make sure to stay tuned to listen to everything you need to know how to put cash back in your pocket, create wealth in real estate, and simplify the complicated. Steve, Danny, welcome back to the show again, guys. Really appreciate it. So we had you guys separately. Now we got the gang together, good, which is really exciting. Uh, two of the most interesting men in real estate in Langley. Uh, Really good to have you guys back again, man. 
Really We're happy to, to be back. here. Thanks, Alex. Derek. Two of the best dressed. Oh, yeah. Look out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We were just talking about before the show, the pink, flam- the pink flamingo pops. I know. <laughs> Adding a little summer to the podcast here. Absolutely. And Danny's always sharp. He's always at the blazer. You're looking good, man. Jamaican Danny. Danny Jamaican mom. All right. <laughs> and for, for more information on that, talk to Danny. You got to reach out to him. He'll tell you the story on that, <laughs> I'm sure. Um, no, so the, so the reason we had you boys come back on tonight, I mean, uh, Steve, uh, back way, way, way back on episode four i think i'm like going way back episode four or five yeah uh you know how to buy a house without a down payment which was pretty fun um and then uh danny we had you back i think it was about in the in the, in the 20s we'll reference it in the show notes here but it's yeah. been a little bit here uh and and we had a lot of great feedback from you guys coming on the show and we know that you both have a wealth of knowledge so bringing you guys together to talk a little bit about um you know lots and construction and building was really um it, it was a perfect choice uh, right to have you guys come on here tonight and uh so with with uh, the last year, year and a half, obviously COVID, house prices going through the roof, I and mean, we don't have to spend too much time talking about that, obviously. One of the things that consistently comes up in our conversations with all sorts of people right now is is building, like building a home, like how do I get started? And it's a lot of first-time builders that are going through this. And so we're also finding a lot of real estate agents, you know, listening to our show, learning quite a bit about construction. And and and, and there's this, this question that always comes up is, what well, 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 I, I want to build. I get the idea of you know the, the cost of building after listening to some of the you know the other episodes. But where the heck do I do it, and where do I go, and what does that look like, and how do I buy a lot? And, and you gentlemen have both obviously done that yourself personally, and with a ton of clients. So what a better you know set of people to come on and talk about that, right? Yeah, I think a good example of that, Alex, is when you look at people buying the lot or looking at the whole package. You can't just break out any one component. So I've had parties look at lots, and I'll use Fort Langley, for example. And they they were excited because they bought a lot for $100,000 cheaper. But it was right in on a main corridor. It was a very busy spot, and they were building a beautiful home. Well, had they elected to spend another $100,000 on the lot, same size lot, but in a different location, the sale value of that property is probably $500,000 difference. And I, I'm being very conservative on that. So it's really, really critical that you don't just try to grab a couple of pearls out of this session and say, I know it all, yeah. I've got it. Yeah. Because if you can work with really good people and listen, actually, your podcasts are phenomenal. And I think if people did listen to them, they'd really, really learn a lot. And I think on that point, I've I've seen a lot of people when they get involved in building, they look at all the dollars, like they look at the cost of the lot and they look at the cost of the build and the cost of the digging and people start to penny pinch, right? And they go for the cheaper lot. But when they're buying the, the existing home, they're not having those thoughts, right? And when people go through that financial process, they are always trying to skim things down, especially because a lot of people think and you can make good money building a home. So they're always trying to pinch, but they're not really thinking about the big picture. And, and like you said, you know, being around the corner on a quieter street could do wonders for someone's profit. Mm-hmm. And it's also a comfort level for, for yeah. the, they like to buy the end product because they can see, touch, walk through the house, know yeah. exactly what they're buying. What we, uh, the biggest hurdle that we find with a lot, lot of our clients is the unknown for the build. And that's what we try to comfort them through it and make it as easy as possible. Mitigate. Yeah. I mean, I think of it akin to a first-time investor who's buying their first investment property. It's it's so much different than just buying the home that you're moving into that you can touch and feel and see and, and so forth. Um, you're looking at it 
again, even if it is for your family and your home, you do need to understand that investment value, that investment potential, but also things like like setbacks and other types of considerations you have to watch out for. But before we get too far ahead, um, why don't we why don't we jump right into like uh, when you're when you're hunting for the the right lot? Why don't we just touch right on location and areas? I mean, Danny, you you hit the nail on the head right off the bat about you know, obviously being on a busy street or not a busy street, but like, you know, there's things like, um, should I, should I be purchasing in a more, um, a rural area and, and what should I be looking for? Should I be, if I'm in the city, should I be buying a home with a house? Like, so where do you guys even start when it comes to talking to someone about, you know, location and, and what to look for? Where's well, the beginning? I, I think one of my favorite mantras is making the house pay for itself. So people always say how, ex how expensive housing is. And I say how cheap it is. And in other words, if you can buy a house that, let's say, example, has got a suite or got something that you, an Airbnb perhaps, that you can put into it. So in combination with zoning, what you're building and what you can build on that lot. So you might want to know what components, for example, can it take a basement, won't it take a basement. And if you're relying on your own knowledge of that, that can be dangerous. And then furthermore, if you go into, let's say, for example, a municipal hall, they do a phenomenal job there, but you need to go in with the details. If you don't go in with the details, they won't be able to magically come up with a formula that you're after. So then what you'll have to do is get together with a builder, get together with someone who's knowledgeable, get a few mentorships on people who have built their homes. Don't ask them what went right, ask them what went wrong. And usually what went wrong is they tried to do it all on their own and tried to save money and didn't use the professionals. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. So, so when it comes to just, um, uh, so basically what I'm hearing from you is before you pick a location, understand the specifics around like what you want to build uh, and make sure that it suits the location in, in the city. Does that sound about right? Or They all go hand in hand yeah. and it's really critical. So if you look at something as simple as zoning and it's really not all that you know, mystifying. If you go onto any website, for example, for Langley, you go onto the Township of Langley's website, you go onto their geosource map, or better yet, go into the zoning. One of the things that all too often that builders, realtors, uh, buyers don't look at is zoning. And it's very straightforward. Just open it up. It'll say, for example, that a zoning's R1D, R1E, which means nothing to most people, but just simply look it up and it'll tell you what you can build, how you can build it, what the details behind it are. And make sure if you're working with a builder that they clearly understand the zoning or that they've got the vehicles to be able to find out what the zoning is. Yeah. The other, and we just ran into a similar situation just in Fort Langley, in conjunction with zoning, another really important factor for finding the right lot is make finding out what the servicing is. Mm. Like, for instance, in Fort Langley, it's majority on septic, yeah. but people don't realize that the, the city sewer runs down 96 and also Glover. There's a house listed for sale uh, on Glover currently that if you were to knock that house down, you could potentially connect to the city sewer. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, when you guys are talking to a client and looking at this, so these are, are these the types of things that you guys are, are looking for when you're looking at different types of lots you're considering? Okay, specifically, can I tie into the city line or do I have to look at septic? Is that something that you would typically do? Or Critical. It's yeah. really critical. I take it a step further and I don't want to complicate it, but I always look at getting the biggest lot you can. So say, for example, under an R1E zoning, the lot is 10,000 square feet. 
Well, guess what? A lot of times I'm always looking and saying, hey, there's a lot that's 16,000 square feet. If you combine with your neighbor that's got 14,000 square feet, guess what? You picked up a free lot. Hmm. And we do that over and over again. We've got clients that bought it first and they're going to end up building on these lots, but they've already gotten together with their neighbors and guess what? They got an extra lot. So, so there's a lot more smart. to it. Let's break that down a little bit more because I think as a listener, maybe they're not understanding how the, the, the free lot component works to that and, and what that looks like for someone. Can you break that down in a little bit more detail? Yeah, you, you, it's, it's fairly simple. Again, if you look at your zoning, R1E zoning, 10,000 square feet. Mm -hmm. So you look at your, your lot that you're buying mm -hmm. and it's 17,000 square feet mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the neighbor's lot is 17,000 square feet. Now you mm -hmm. got 34,000 square feet. Mm -hmm. Each lot has to be 10,000 square feet. Yep. So you can subdivide. You picked up three, a, yeah. an extra lot. Perfect. Not quite as, it, it is not quite as easy as that. You do have to put the parameters together. Yeah. But if you work with anyone who understands zoning, whether it's a builder, yep. realtor, or some of the realtors are really good at it. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times if you can get a knowledgeable realtor, it's a critical component because mm -hmm. they bring the financing together. They bring the building together. Yep. They bring the zoning. So getting the right people, don't make it a tough job. Mm. Search out the best people. Yeah. And it's amazing how easy they can make it for you. Love that. So just to start at the beginning, like typically people need to get pre-approved, figure out what your budget is, how much can you spend. The next conversation is probably with yourselves and a builder to figure out what it is that they want. Do they want a coach house? Do they want a basement suite? How much square footage do they need? Now they have their budget. They kind of know what they want. And then you guys are off to the races looking for the lot. A big part Typically of the way it goes. Like when you guys chat with people, is there usually a builder involved at that point? No, I think what you've laid out is actually a great way to do it, Derek. They, they would go through those various components and then you match what they want to a lot. So yeah. a lot of times people might think, well, I, I want a side suite. Well, you look at the lot quickly and you go, well, the lot's not wide enough. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and frontage is such a key component too. That's one thing that even versus the lot that I've, that I'm on now, it's 88 feet wide versus my last one was 60 feet wide. And it just opens so many more doors for what I want to do as yeah. far as triple car garage. And so figure out what you want to build, then buy your lot rather than buying your lot and trying to make something work. Right. So, yeah. so would you have a preliminary conversation after being say pre-approved and with yourself with a, with a builder to kind of understand those parameters or is that where you gentlemen would come in? Oh, for sure. And a lot of times we'll recommend, we'll recommend a builder because it's so critical that you get the right builder. And if you've got a local builder, and there's some tremendous local builders mm. uh, that can really help you through the process, and you get the right builder, you'll look like a genius because they'll just help you walk through yeah. from start to finish on the actual build. One, uh, one story i got to mention to you is how I got going on this many years ago. My favorite story is, and it just happened uh, a month ago, the part, first guy that I ever got building, he's just sold his... Uh, I won't say his last one, but one of his biggest ones that he ever did. So he started out in 1989 to build his first home. That was before he said, you know what you can do as I'm telling my, my story? He said, why don't you get out of my house? So he kicked me out of his house, but he stopped me at the door to explain, uh, and I exp tell me to explain a little more. So I did. He just, the house that he sold in 1989 was $60,000. He just sold... The houses that he's built and sold, built and sold for $6 million. Wow. So clear title. Mm. So, so it's, it's a great way. Themselves, 
builds himself and then oh, sells them. Yeah, got a builder to build, yeah. got the lot, oh, okay. got the property. Yeah. But it was alluding to a little bit what Steve was talking about earlier. Mm. And you're talking about lots. Which lot should you pick? Well, it may be dependent on where you are, you know, in your life and where you're, how yeah. old your kids are, you know, yeah. where your financial position is. Well, yeah. and, then, and that's another trend that we're witnessing right yeah. now. Even working with buyers, they might be buying a lot just to hold they're going to live in the house for five years and then they're going to build so they they can get all their ducks in a row they can do their uh you know processes getting their plans already they take their time they just want to build up a little bit more equity meanwhile the lot cost just keeps going up so they're able to plus yeah i mean so many people when they think about building they picture this flat lot like a piece of dirt like that's yeah. what they're looking to buy yeah. right people don't even think about that concept which is huge yeah. um let alone a teardown Right. Like there can be a house on the property. It can be a decent home, but sometimes it makes sense to purchase that, tear it down and build your dream house there. Really can. Cause you get some fabulous lots. Yeah. Big lots. Right now we've got four homes when I say underway with our clients and builders and the homes that they're building are all with side suites for their elderly parents. Mm -hmm. Or we actually have it where the parents are in the main house and the kids are in the side suite. So there's so many variables that you can go through. Uh, what I like to do is, again, make it uh, make it affordable. Mm, mm. Interesting. So uh, let's touch one more time just on the, on the, the like what you're doing, Steve, because you're going through this process again for, I think, the second time or the third time? The second time. So so you did what Derek mentioned here. You purchased the, the lot with the house on it, lived in the house, uh, and then spent the time obviously sorting out and organizing your your um, your designs and plans and things of that nature. So so what made you go that route and instead of uh, you know purchasing maybe a bare lot? Well, for one, there wasn't anything. It's really tough to find a bare lot in certain areas. Like in Fort Langley, yeah. they just don't exist. So um, I knew that I, the one, this lot did come up. It, or I shouldn't say it's just a lot. It's a lot in a house. And Danny always preached me like buy a lot with a lot of frontage. And like I mentioned before, this had 88 feet of frontage. Yeah, It's a nice cul-de-sac, you know, Eastern exposed backyard, which is okay. I think maybe one tidbit is people tend to gravitate more towards a Southern exposed backyard or a Western or Eastern exposed backyard rather than a nor Northern. Um, so just from a resale standpoint, this this worked but right now it, it gave us time to you know do our plans get everything organized we're living in the house it's going to be coming down there's going to be a little bit extra cost with you know the abatement and everything tearing down an older home mm -hmm. but it, it's worked out really well for us and it doesn't always work out like this but obviously values have gone up significantly which helps with equity and helps with building and everything sure, else yeah. right yeah, a little bit easier on the financing uh, yeah. to have that in place, especially to hold the property because you're moving into a set detached home and are not just financing a lot, which a lot of people I don't think realize the, the fact that financing a lot is different than financing a house and then yeah. obviously doing the construction I, later as well. And I just had a buyer and, and Derek worked with them on the financing. Their whole plan, they wanted to be in Fort Langley. Their goal is they, they want to build, but yeah. they're just not quite there. So they bought a lot, yeah. great lot, yeah. great street. The house has, it's got some life left in it. It's not, you know, the Taj Mahal by any means, but they, you know, it'll work for them for the next five years and they're going to be in a much better position to build in the next, you know, five to 10. Nice. Exactly. So 
Danny, I mean, you touched a little bit on that on that street, the busy street. Like, uh, just talking a little bit about like what to watch out for and what to avoid. I mean, besides the busy street that you mentioned, like, what are the other things that you guys have seen typically where it's like, oh, don't do that again. Watch out for this. Like, really watch out if it's got streams or creeks on the property can be very problematic. If it's a slope lot, can be very problematic. So I would suggest the easy formula is a lot of times people buy that cheaper lot and but it is close to a creek it's got heavy heavy slope floodplain so you really want to be careful my suggestion is don't save the money buy the good lot and you'll make way more money at the end of it and you'll have an easier build an easier life it, it just makes it so much better so it's pretty sorry it's pretty daunting knowing all these little things that like if somebody went out and bought a private sale without doing any research or they're working with maybe a newer agent that doesn't deal with construction, like you could make a, a pretty bad decision really quickly, mm. right? Like that alone streams. I think there's some situations where you might not even be able to build a new house. For right? sure. I think you have to build off the, the existing foundation, which yep. doesn't always work very well. And that all, all really true. And so well, when, when you, like when Danny started in real estate, won't, I won't say how long ago that was, but. <laughs> the the street. The street. Should say the, this, is, this is good thing. Yeah, yeah. How many years has it been? Oh man, forty-two. 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 Years. How old are all you guys? <laughs> yeah. But this, what was the stream side setbacks when when you started? But the stream side setbacks when I started were five meters, and it went from the top of bank. Meters. Well, again, those are all jargon terms. So, top of bank and top of the river flood flood are all jargon terms so make sure you know what those terms mean sometimes they i generally can make them go to my advantage but you have to know what those terms mean so be careful so i think alex touched on this but who in this process let's say you guys help your your clients they find a pretty nice looking lot you guys obviously know what you're looking at but who is the one going to the city and doing the research like do you guys get involved do you send your clients in with the ammunition that they need is the builder and architect involved at that point a Who's of, the one digging it up? A lot of times I'll see something and I'll go, oh, that's perfect. Yeah. So some of the last lots that we, Steve and I have sold or houses, they're, they're houses, but they'll turn into building. Uh, we saw them and we said, oh, those are fabulous lots because of a number of reasons. Easy to build on. Yeah. You can get a basement. You're going to get subdivision out of this. Uh, it's fabulous soil conditions. It's sand. It's not mud. Yeah. It's not, they're, uh, it's not an infill lot. That's another thing that you'd have to be careful of. I did a subdivision once. All the lots were 8, 10 feet deep for their foundations. One lot kept digging at 30 feet. They still hadn't hit bottom. Holy. So who does all that? There's someone who's extremely knowledgeable about the area. So a good realtor in the area, a good builder in the area, a planner, a designer, all of those you might want to touch bases with yeah. because they might have touched it. So don't be afraid to call all of those people to determine, is that a good lot or isn't it? So it might yeah. not be the realtor. It could be the builder, could be the planner. Yeah. And also you really got to be careful if you're going in and your builder obviously will, will guide a good builder will guide you through this. But if you're going to the township of Langley or, or city of Surrey or wherever you're planning on building the person at the front of the counter doesn't necessarily know a lot of the information that she should know. So the answers that you're going to get are probably incorrect. And that's what we run into all the time. We'll go to the, the hall with a client 
and you get an answer from Betty saying yes, you get an answer from Paul saying no, and being able to stick handles in between that and maybe trying to talk to the right people behind the front desk yeah. is where you want to go. That's important. Gold so the, nuggets here. there's yeah, obviously right. a lot more due diligence, which mm -hmm. is my next question around subject periods. So like, obviously right now subjects are tough, but if you're buying something with the goal of building, do you guys in a normal market, are you guys typically asking for more time? Are you putting different subjects in your offer? Yeah, my I always keep it really simple, Derek. Yeah. Subject to a feasibility study yeah. that involves planning, building, soil conditions. Yeah. And keep it simple. Give yourself, if you can, 30 days for that. Yeah. Then you can check it all out within 30 days. Yeah. And so I think it's important. Keep keep it all simple. You're not getting that done in five business days like your typical purchase, though, for no. the most part. Not not usually though, but a lot of times if I see something that's really hot. I'll buy it virtually on the spot. Yeah. I won't even ask for, but that by doing that, I've researched my own. I've looked at the zoning. Yeah. I've looked at the houses surrounding. I've maybe knocked on a neighbor's door and said, Hey, do you know anything about that property next door? So you can get a lot of information quickly. Mm. 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 Yeah. So, so, uh, just kind of, I mean, I may want to go back a little bit to the investment component piece, uh, when you're looking at properties. I mean, Danny, in, in the last time we had you here, you talked a little bit where the profit is in building and, and where it's not. I mean, uh, one of the things that we like to touch on with people is obviously unique properties and building unique properties. And I know this is a little bit different from the lot pr price, but I mean, that's something we hear about from time to time too, which is, I, we've got these crazy dreams of all these unique properties. And I think that comes back a little bit to building schemes to a degree, but, like, how do you advise people on when they kind of come up with these big grand ideas? Like, where do you step in at all, or is it just hands off? Like, maybe just no, no, we step in greatly because if you don't, you've created a nightmare. So, just as we said earlier, if someone picks up on this uh, seminar and then says, Hey, I've got it all, I listen to those guys for a half hour, I know it all. No, you've got to pick it up because if you don't build the right house yeah. on the right lot, yeah. everything we say here can vanish really quickly. Yeah. So you want to make sure that you've got it. If if you do it properly, there's easily, just in soft costs, financing, uh, double taxation, property transfer tax, GST, I won't break it down each item. In fact, even commissions, you've got somewhere between $250,000 to $300,000 in saving by doing your own. The last 15 builds that we currently have underway, I think I can safely assume that those people, partially because of inflation, partially because of the money that they've saved, they're going to be pocketing about $600,000 mm, on yeah. those homes. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, Worked out pretty well, pretty well. That was the uh, the Mills slots, right? Uh, these ones here. Or? That will we won't yeah. go too specific. <laughs> we'll leave, we'll leave it alone. But there there were a couple lots that you guys are pretty good on, which is fantastic. Um, you know, uh, let's talk a little bit about current market conditions and buying a lot now in this market. I mean, Derek suggested obviously subject periods are tough on any home in this market, although it's starting to come you know a little bit back to to reality here. Um, you know, like what, what is your suggestions in a hot market like this when we're seeing people even compete on lot pricing? Like, how do you guys feel about that? How do you navigate that? Is there any different types of advice you give or is it all the same as you, you had before and you just got to compete for it? Well, my, mine is do it. Yeah. And I find that the reason most people won't do it is that they get bad advice. Mm. So they'll go to uncle Bob or maybe dad or mom or 
and somebody who doesn't know anything about it. So my my best answer to that is say, make sure you go with someone who's done it, who knows it. Mm. And as soon as they've done it or know it, a lot of times they'll look at that property and they'll say right away, that's a fabulous piece of property. If I could buy it for that dollar, I'd buy it. And so sometimes you, it, it, you have to be prepared to step off the curb. Mm. And if you're not, it goes back to the 100-0 rule. I'll tell you 100 reasons why to do something, zero not to. And people will make up 10 reasons not to. It's in our nature. We've got to be afraid. Don't you know that the sky is going to fall? No, it's not. Do it all properly. Yeah. It'll work. And it'll work beautifully. You've seen, you've seen it happen a few times. Yes. <laughs> uh, Steve, how about yourself? Any anything that you're uh, you know you're you're recommending as far as trends or uh, I know Danny's given us a hundred reasons to do it, but maybe on the flip side, is there any reasons? I mean, let's be realistic here. There's certain circumstances that might maybe don't make sense from a lot perspective right now, or from a building perspective. Or are you guys just? Is it just more about doing the right due diligence? Well, the the one thing that you're gonna uh, that I will touch on especially right now during the COVID market, you got to have, like, and I'm going through it right now, you got to have patience with the trades, the township, everything's just taking, like suppliers. my suppliers, like my my house plans took, uh, I think it was, if you calculated from the day that we started, almost seven months to draw up. Mm. Just the house, and I, in, we're now in the process of waiting with the township so we still got another six months there so it's over a year and not nor it's not normally like that right but yeah. right now it's just a very cumbersome process with skeleton staffs so. there are some people that are not built for that kind of stuff right like they should just buy a resale home and move into their home and be okay with it that's mm-hmm. okay some people can't manage that plus their jobs and, and renting in a basement suite right and that's okay if you can recognize it and well, make you, sure your wife's okay with it. Yeah, yeah. You, <laughs> you've hit on the number one component. Just what we're talking about now is the number one component of all of it. What's the downside? The number one rule that I, first thing that I tell everybody when they're coming in, I said, you and, or if it's the man, you and your wife or the wife and the husband have to be together on it. If only one of you wants to do it, don't do it. It'll be a nightmare. Divorce at the end of that building. It, yeah, it yeah, will yeah. be a nightmare. So you that both have to want to do it. To last. Yeah. yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And uh, and then then the other part of that, Derek, Derek or Alex, the downside is, is that people overbuild, they overspend, and they spent money in the wrong spots. So those are the downsides, and those can kill you quickly. And that's probably a good thing to touch on as well. Like when we're going through the process or trying to coach clients on building, make sure you spend the money where it counts, like in certain areas. Don't don't spend it on, you know, your main area is obviously your kitchen, your master bedroom, the back deck, you know, that front entranceway, front doors we're big on. Yeah. But there's no point in having a nice, beautiful $5,000 front door, and then you go and spend, you know, equal or close to the same amount on your, on your man doors in the garage. Like there's just, yeah. there's no, it's just wasting money. Yeah. No one's going to, as good as it sounds, no one's going to really pick up on that on the resale. Yeah, you won't get your dollars back on that. Yeah, I mean, and uh, just to kind of end off the thoughts here from a financing perspective, because listen, we do the financing piece, right? I mean, Derek just started off the conversation right before we started recording on, on uh, obviously, in, in this type of a market or any market where there's scarcity, uh, running short on funds. And I don't know if you want to touch on that story at all, but... Yeah, there's a lot of unique situations right now with building and how construction financing works is the lender's 
typically holding back enough money to complete your build at all times. So there has to be a good buffer of cash going into the project. So the further progress that you make on your build, the bank can then release more money to you to keep things going. And a big challenge that some of our clients are seeing is they're having to pre-order flooring and doors and everything you can imagine because of delays through COVID. Uh, and where that's causing the issue is they're shelling out $100,000 for this material, but that material isn't installed in the house. So the lender, they're, you know, these clients are running out of money because they've had to pre-order materials and the lender's doing a progress report and saying, well, you, the money's not invested in the home yet. So we can't give you a draw. So a lot of people are actually in positions where they can't get more money from the bank. And that material that they've purchased adds no value to the lenders in their eyes, right? Because it's not affixed to the home. Uh, and people are actually having to, some people are lucky enough to have additional savings, but some people are borrowing from family, like $100,000 to keep things moving, right? And a lot of people will be going through that right now with COVID. And that's, I, I think you guys have nailed it really. Another real key component is that the person that's doing the financing has to understand what a build is. So obviously you guys are doing these and you're doing a number of these podcasts and they are critical because you guys understand it. And one of the big warning issues that I put out to all people is that they'll go to the bank and the person that's advising them at the bank has never built a new home, never been involved in it. And so they're lost as far as the financing. So I think what Derek's, you know, keyed in on is critical. So make sure one of the things that we do, one of the first things is make sure the financial advisor that you're talking to about your financing and your mortgaging, they understand the process. If they don't, you're finished. Yeah. Yeah. And something that we've been doing is getting people approved for larger mortgages than they actually need so yeah. that there is a buffer built in or if if they have an x amount of dollars of down payment we're only using 75 yes. percent yeah. of that so yeah. that they have a buffer set aside not everyone's in that situation but if we can if you can do that it's it helps managing yeah, I think additionally speaking like to your point about having access to cash i think this is where people need to be smart about the type of lending they're looking at and not restrict themselves just to the banks um, because of the you know the rigidness of a lot of the banks in regards to the draw schedules and so forth, so they have the cash or they have the capital with some of the private lenders and alternate and construction lenders that are just they just understand it better. They're they're not under these corporate guidelines and structures where they can look at a okay, I understand the market conditions and they can be a lot more flexible to people, right? Uh, a little bit of cost up front, but as Derek mentioned, you know, long term it'll save you the money, right? Because you can get access to the funds that you need. So, pretty key stuff. So, anywho, guys, another good session. Terrific. Come down as always, as always. Uh, Steve Hill, uh, <laughs> Danny Evans. I'm like blanking here. That's right. <laughs> a little, little tired here, but yeah. Steve, Danny, thank you so much. Uh, if uh, anybody wants to reach out to you guys, just search up Steve Hill, search up Danny Evans on Google. We're going to put all you guys' information in the show notes, show notes. And if you guys have any more questions about buying lots, construction, financing, any of that kind of stuff, make sure to uh, check out uh, these gentlemen, reach out. They're a wealth of knowledge and information in this space, and they'll take very good care of you once we get the financing in uh in place right we'll never look back awesome thanks for coming down guys Appreciate thanks guys it. thank you